the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. Five oh six on the Central Coast. It's Tuesday, January twenty third, two thousand and twenty four. I'm Dave Congleton. I remind you tomorrow we have uh, County Supervisor Dawn Ortiz Lake. On uh, Thursday we have our resident bibliophile Susan Hoffman will come in and talk about books that she has been reading lately. This hour, I thought you would uh, welcome a break from all the serious and political stuff. Uh, Pete Howard is one of the more interesting guys I've come across in this gig. He works for Heritage Auctions. I mean, he, he spends a lot of time in Dallas. He spends a lot of time in New York, but he gets to call Avila home. At Heritage Auctions, he is the entertainment and music consignment Director, yay! Pete, how are you? <laughs> Fine, thank you, Dave. What do you say? What, what What do you say in the elevator when somebody says, "What do you do?" What do you say? Well, I say I'm consignment director for music and entertainment for oh. the world's third largest auction company, okay. Heritage Auctions. But that's how you phrase it. Um, yeah, it just rolls off the tongue. Your title, you know. I, I bring good stuff in. That's yeah, what, that's what I can say to the layman. Look at this. I am holding in my hand a photo of the poster. This is not the last concert. Mm-hmm. That Buddy Holly performed, mm-hmm. but it's Green Bay, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Sunday, February first. What nineteen fifty nine? What's the significance of well, this? Well, that's the last concert poster ever made for which Buddy Holly was alive, and they went on stage and played. And thirty hours after that show ended, the plane crashed. But he so, was, but he did the he did he, the show in, in Iowa. Of, mm-hmm. But he did the show in Iowa. Well, Clear Lake, Iowa. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So isn't that the last concert? Yes, but this is the last con- This is the penultimate concert of his career, but it's the last one for which a poster was made. So anybody who wants the last Buddy Holly concert poster, but that, that image you're looking at, Dave, quarter million dollars last November, third highest concert poster in history. Yeah. And I know who bought it, and he's just a collector. He's a really enthusiastic and well-heeled collector. No blue jeans or slacks permitted. <laughs> I know. What were you supposed to wear? I know, right? I, that's, it took us a little while to figure out. That's directed just at ladies. No intoxicating beverages will be sold. It was a teenage world. You know, we don't know that now, in the, but in the 1950s, all rock music was strictly teenage stuff. Uh, it's, this is from 8 to 11 p.m., Mm-hmm. Admission before eight o'clock is ninety cents to see <laughs> Buddy right. Holly. A dollar twenty-five after eight o'clock. That's right. And Dave, what I like about that is you could give your dollar and get a dime back, which we score now. You could at the time you could take that dime inside the concert and probably get a nice big drink or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now the extra attraction is Frankie Sardo, S A R D O, and I'll be the first to admit I've never heard of this guy. Nobody's ever heard of him. He had a hit called Takeout. Well, what's funny, Dave, is the the poster makes a mistake. He didn't have a hit. It was a bomb, and it was called Fake Out. It's called Fake Out, but on the poster they put Take Out. So I I, I joke that maybe they thought he was the caterer. <laughs> but wow. it's nice to laugh over this day. But don't forget, this is rock and roll's first tragedy. That's yeah. why the poster sold for so much, and the three headliners were killed. Um, and yet the tour went on with substitute musicians. But was it as successful? 
with the I've never looked at I've never found attendance figures for the rest of the tour but it was such a teenage 90 cent thing that people didn't keep statistics so this is the third most expensive poster yes sir remind us of the top two okay the most expensive poster <laughs> is the same poster except from Moorhead Minnesota on February 3rd that he was going to when the plane crashed and since the poster says February 3rd and so does Buddy's death certificate we marketed that as the day the music died yeah yeah four hundred and forty seven thousand dollars for that and then in between you have a beatles 1966 shea stadium concert poster two hundred seventy five thousand dollars crazy well just to see how crazy it was for buddy holly in the last few days of his life on sunday february 1st he's in green bay wisconsin which is all the way up you're almost on lake michigan and then the very next day, he's got to go down to Clear Lake, Iowa. Mm -hmm. That's a long drive. Mm -hmm. And then had he driven the very next day, he was supposed to go up to the North Dakota-Minnesota border. Yeah, when you say drive, don't forget there was a bus. The yeah, tour yeah. had a bus. But yeah. what's crazy, if you go to the Internet and look at Winter Dance Party Tour, it goes like this. Yeah. You know, it's not a sensible tour at all. And it was in hellish winter conditions. And there was no heat on the bus. The, the, that's right. That's the, right. The, the they heat got had frost, broken. The drummer got frostbite or yeah. something on his toes. And that's why they rented the plane right. because mm -hmm. he was tired of being on the bus and mm -hmm. freezing. Mm -hmm. He wanted to go to Fargo, get a good night's sleep, mm -hmm. do his laundry, mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. that stuff. Yeah, you got it. You know history. Well, yeah. I know a little bit. And Rich, was it Richie Valens? Richie Valens. He. It was a coin toss. With Waylon Jennings. That's right. That's right. And Waylon won, uh, lost the toss. Lost the toss. And so the other two musicians, of course, met their fate that way. Hmm. But just uh, so sad. And uh, it's just, you know, the, Don McLean with his song American Pie right. really helped keep the popularity of this incident through generations. Everybody knows that song. Uh, now, here's one, The Grateful Dead. Why mm -hmm. is this on the cover of the magazine? Because that poster, known as Skeleton and Roses, is, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> about the most popular psychedelic concert poster ever made. And we generally get $100,000 for one in really high-graded condition like that. What do we know the story behind this? Do we know anything about it? Well, it was designed in the summer of 66 by an image that the artists, Mouse and Kelly, took out of the San Francisco Public Library. They pulled a page out of a book with that skeleton and the roses, and they just appropriated it for their rock poster. They didn't have to worry about trademarks or legal things or anything because everything was so small in 1966. Then they colored it nicely and put the Grateful Dead lettering around it, and they only made a few hundred. Most of them were thrown away. And if you find one in mint condition, you can buy a new house with it now. Well, and why is this so valuable? Just because it's so rare? Well, it's got Help the me understand. Full, you know, the, the elements are rarity, musicians. The Grateful Dead are the most collectible musicians of the rock era after the Beatles and Stones. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Grateful Dead is never ending. Artisan, uh, the, um, the art factor, the beautiful art. That's considered really an attractive poster. It is. And I've already mentioned rarity. And then finally, the condition. That condition is that 9.6 or 9.8 we have there on the cover? A 9.8. Yeah. See, that's, that's out near at a 10. That's near perfect. So those factors all play into the value of a collectible. How do you, as, as, as we're talking with Pete Howard, how do you start this as a, I, I don't mean to dismiss it as a hobby, it but, is. But if people are listening going, you know, that's something I might be interested in. How would they start becoming a collector of 
posters? Well, I would go to the auctions and look at them. And, you know, you can get a lot from eBay, too. You can put in Grateful Dead poster and do a search and see what comes up and start to study it. Befriend a couple of people, you know. Um, I often talk on the phone to brand new collectors who want to know some tips. And you got to follow your love. If you say you want to get in the hobby, you probably love certain musicians. Yeah. Modern day, some for some people, it's Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Fish, things like that. You know, we're having a hip hop auction in the spring. Of- we have a guy down the hall who's a huge fish guy. Oh, is he? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, you have to educate yourself and see what excites you. You don't want to collect for investment purposes unless you love it. And then that's what they always say, don't buy what you don't love. But is it a good investment? If it, I play this right, can I make money off of this? If you go in just to make money, I would wish somebody good luck because you almost need like five years of base experience to really learn the hobby. Mm-hmm. But then you, know, you, could, you could start making money in a year or two, but just not livable money. I don't know about actually surviving on it. Pete Howard is back in studio with us from Heritage Auctions. He's on his way to New York. When we come back, we'll find out what that's about. I'm told it has something to do with the Beatles. This is Hometown Radio. This is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Always good to be in conversation with Pete Howard from Heritage Auctions. He's nice enough to drop by whenever he is in town. We're uh, talking about his passion for rock and roll memorabilia. And I just want to come back to the Buddy Holly thing, because the poster is Sunday, February 1st. This is the one up in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. But you were telling me during the break that at the Storm Lake, which was the actual final concert, was a last-minute addition to the schedule. That's right. Monday Night Clear Lake, Iowa, was a last-minute addition to the schedule, so there's no posters, handbills, ticket stubs, just one little newspaper ad. Um, so that's why this poster became so collectible. On the Stolberg line, um, listener wants to know, do you, do you do movie stuff? Heritage has a movie post the division, actually. Uh, well, yeah. this is about James Dean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the value of the ticket that was written to James Dean before he was killed. The ticket is iconic because it was written by a deceased CHP officer. Would that mm-hmm. be worth anything? Well, I, of course, the officer would be deceased by now just by the passage of time. Um, but, uh, yes, anything James Dean is very collectible, and his autograph is really valuable because he died still, so young. Still. Still. After all this time. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Well, because we, we just had a prior conversation, and I mentioned that there are women that I was speaking to the other day in their 40s, in their 40s, who had no idea who the actor George C. Scott was. Wow. I'll be darned. Yeah. yeah. Yep. There you have it. So, well, James right. Dean, of course, adds the sex factor, which is always a nice... Um, Thing. I have that problem, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been told I'm not collectible. Uh, so let's talk about New York. You're off to New York. Yeah. Going That's there a pretty for, good life you uh, got. I, it is funny to go from Avila Beach to New York City on a regular basis. It's, I feel I have the best of both worlds. Yeah. What are you um, doing in New York? What's well, New that? York, of course, is where so much is. And uh, going for heritage because in February, meaning in a couple of weeks, it is the um, 60th anniversary of the Beatles landing in America at JFK yeah. Airport and that scene and that press conference and everything where they came in and changed pop culture forever just by getting off the airplane 
practically. And so uh, there's a thing called Beetle Fest that's an annual thing in New York, and they are having it on the week that's the 60th anniversary. And Heritage, of course, wants to reach all those collectors and everything, so we're going to have a nice big booth set up. I'm going to be manning it with another Heritage employee. And am I really getting paid to do this, Dave? <laughs> well, here's a weird one on the Stolberg line. <clears throat> listener says, I wrote a song for Brian Wilson. He loved it and hand-signed it. I still have it hanging on my wall. Would that be worth anything? It could be. It's, it's better than a normal Brian Wilson autograph on just a photo or something. That's pretty nice. But Brian Wilson is with us to this day, and he does sign when asked. He's not. He's a bit reclusive, but there's a lot of Brian Wilson autographs out there. Definitely worth something. But, you know, they say in the auction world, anybody who comes to you with a collectible, it's either worth much more than they think or much less than they think. It's sort of a little joke. But, you know, the, the Brian Wilson signed sheet music for a song that was written... Did he say for him, for Brian Wilson? Yeah. Uh, I just, I just yeah. read him. Yeah, I just sure. read him, buddy. Sure. Yeah, so I wrote you know, a song for Brian Wilson. He few, loved it and hand-signed it. A few hundred bucks, you know, sure. Yeah. But why would he want to part with it? Yeah, people always want to ask. Well, now, this, you're going to have to come over and look at this during the break. Now I have people texting in posters they uh. want you to assess. <laughs> uh, I've got like four or five things that have been signed by Billy Joel. Mm -hmm. What happens when he dies? Arguably, they go up a bit in value. A bit? Well, what, you know, I think I've made this point before. It was the advent of the Internet that changed all that. Because before eBay, if somebody died, um, people would be scrambling at their local record store and everything or calling friends right. to find something. When Prince and Michael Jackson and Tom Petty died, within hours, there were hundreds of new listings of collectibles because every dealer wanted to cash in. Yeah, and yeah. so there's so much. It, became a, it becomes a buyer's market right away. So when BJ passes, it'll be a and hopefully market. not soon. Yeah, that's right. That's hopefully, right. hopefully not, not soon. soon. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It apparently has a new song coming out in February. Mm -hmm. I just saw something on that on TikTok last night. Mm -hmm. All right. So but back on the Beatles, what is collectible other than the album cover, the poster you were talking about? What what is it about the Beatles that people are collecting? everything. Yeah, you know, their staying power is just remarkable. And, and uh, not every musical act obviously has staying power. Many fade their so-called money acts and non-money acts. The Beatles are such a gold standard, it's unbelievable. And, you know, the very best, Dave, in any category, whether it be clothing or records or autographs or posters or whatever, the very best are the most collectible. You know what people are sort of cooling off on is all these endless little Beatle toys that came out in Beatles 1964. Toys. Yeah. yeah. The, the Beatles, did you know about Brian Epstein, their manager, innocently gave away 1090 deals where if you made a Beatles toy, just give the Beatles 10%. You keep 90%. Really? Yeah. So, in wow. retrospect, a terrible deal for the terrible. Beatles. But there were a million Beatle toys made in 64 and 5, but those have really cooled off now. So, the big Beatles thing is this the Beatles 1966 Shea Stadium mm -hmm. poster, mm -hmm. August 23rd. Mm -hmm. And is that. The last at Shea, I mean, what, what, why is that concert so important? It's so important because the venue is so iconic. The Beatles at Shea Stadium the year before, 1965, was a landmark rock concert because no rock act had played a sports stadium before. Yeah. And so that was really a big show. And, but they didn't have to make posters. In 66, they made that yellow and black poster, and it did not sell out. And it's just a very coveted poster. It shows the Beatles, and it's got 
you know, it's their last tour. It's, it's not. It's certainly not the most artistic poster I've right. ever seen. No, it's a boxing style concert poster. But yeah. you want a sneak preview? Heritage got another one for our April auction, so we've got one coming up for sale from somebody who used to be an associate of the promoter, Sid Bernstein. So this is a big year for Beatles stuff because it's the anniversary 60th. of Ed Sullivan. You bet. Yeah, 60th. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't know. You're, are you old enough to remember that? I had an older sister. And okay. so, so I do remember. I mean, it. you hear the stories mm-hmm. about what that was. I mean, I vividly remember. That's probably the only day of 1964 that I remember. I vividly remember watching the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and talking about it in school the next day. Great. That's wonderful. It, it, it just... For musicians, mm-hmm. there's life before the Ed Sullivan appearance and after the Ed Sullivan appearance, mm-hmm. because you, including Billy Joel. You talked mm-hmm. to all these guys today. What made you do this? Ed Sullivan. I saw mm-hmm. the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I once saw a really long article of rock stars talking about the first album they ever bought. It was amazing. It seemed like 80% was Meet the Beatles. Everybody bought Meet the Beatles as their first rock album in 64. All right, you got Hank Williams, 1953, Canton, Ohio. Mm -hmm. This is a concert poster for the show he died en route to, sold for $150,000. That's right. That's right. So there's a connection there to the Buddy Holly $447,000 poster. Both was the show they were going to but didn't make it. And, you know, that show went on also, Dave, the Hank Williams show. You know what they did? All no. the other musicians just played Hank songs as a tribute through their tears. Oh, that must have been special. Yeah. Uh, what else you got here? Jimi Hendrix, 1968, the Flying Eyeball concert poster, sold for $175,000. Yep, that happened since I've last been on your show. That was in November. And we had a 9-8 copy signed by the artist. Everybody knows the flying eyeball. I mean, it's a very popular image, but $175,000. Heritage has really tapped into, you know, I think Wall Street hedge fund bankers and everything, not just music collectors. I got a minute before the news break. Is this competitive, the bidding on these items? Oh, yeah. That's how the, that's how the value rises, is the competing. I mean, is it mean, fierce? Like um, hey, you know, you know, I'm going to get that honest, Beatles poster. It's so electronic. Who knows? I yeah. mean, there used to be a room full of people holding up paddles, and now it's even for people in Dallas, they don't bother showing up. They do it on their computers. Yeah. Yeah. But there, there's still a lot of people who are fighting over it. I, I have to have that poster. That's right. That's right. And, of course, when you get to the end, it's only two people duking it out. And the auction house and the owner hopes those two fight it to the you know bloody end. But if there's only one person, he gets it for much less. Are you ever surprised by how much money a poster brings in? Oh, I'd say on a, every auction. Absolutely. Yeah. What's that's, the, not, that's not hype. Yeah. I can't believe some of this money. It's crazy. It's not my world. Now, And do they hang on to it or do they turn around and resell it? Some of both. Some of them are it's buying an investment. it. investment. Yeah, they're, you know, they, well, they hang on to it for two reasons, an investment, or because they love it. They bought it. They love Hank Williams. They love the Beatles. They want to die And with then it. they flip it like flipping a house. And oh, let, wow. some people do that right away. All That's right. right. We got Pete Howard here from Heritage Auctions. Always an interesting guy. We are off. We got news and traffic and weather. More of our conversation with Pete. We're live. We're local. You're listening to The Dave Congleton Show.
Well, this is what a great guest uh, Pete Howard is from Heritage Auctions. We had someone text us a poster on the uh, Stolberg line asking if this is worth anything. And it only took like one second for Pete to record. This is a Patsy Cline singing your favorite songs, Walking After Midnight Crazy. She got, you, got, you got this right away. Yeah, exactly, Dave. It's what such an it? interesting aspect of the hobby. I can't believe it's never come up before. This is a complete phony bootleg worth about $10. In other words, has no collector's value, has decorative value. And here's why. There's a company in Indiana called Tribune Showprint, and they make fantasy posters, and they have for years. They completely concoct them, get a picture of the artist like Patsy Cline, throw a date on, throw a venue, put some song titles, have some color. They wholesale them for five dollars. Remember the sub before they closed? Yeah. You know they had tons of these fantasy posters on the wall. You can go in and find them in a lot of record stores and everything. They're pure decorative value. I just don't know how they get away with not being sued by the artists' management, even if the artists are deceased, um, because there's tons of Elvis Presley ones. They're always 14 inches wide, 22 inches tall on cardboard, and I get an email on average of once a day for the last 20 years saying, oh, this Beatles poster, what's it worth? And I have to say, I'm sorry, it's a Tribune show print, it's worth $10. What about this one? Same thing, total phony fake, the blue and, the blue and black Buddy Holly Winter Dance Party poster. Um, yeah, I can tell, sometimes tell fake posters in a fifth of a second. You just look at pull, it. Pull that a little bit closer okay. to you as uh, Pete Howard joins us. So, how does someone... No, if what they have is the, particularly, I mean, we're talking about two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. How, how do you, what do you look for? How do you know that this is legit? Well, Dave, what's interesting is the two posters you showed me, Patsy Cline and Buddy Holly. Fifth of a second, I know they're bootlegs because they scream bootleg. They're not the right poster. Yeah. On the other hand, the Beatles Shea Stadium two hundred seventy-five thousand dollar poster. Yeah. There are bootlegs that are very close. And that takes me five minutes sometimes of close scrutiny to say, yeah, that's the reprint. I know what tells to look for. Like what? Give us an example. Uh, on the Beatles Shea Stadium poster, it says August 23rd, right? What's yeah. the day of the week? Um, on the real ones, that date is contained within the margins of the photo. On the phonies, that date is printed a little bit outside the margins of the photo. <laughs> but and that's the, all it takes for you to spot. That Pardon is me? a phone. That's all it takes. Yes, absolutely. I have to know these things, both as a collector for 20 years. Yeah, because you could get screwed. Yeah, exactly. You've been burned? Oh, of course. Of really? course I've been nailed. Sure, that's how you learn. No collector has not been nailed before. Yeah. Well, all right, so uh, you're on your way to New York. We're celebrating the Beatles, and then there's a big show in April mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. a Beatles stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's going to be a Heritage's having an April music memorabilia and concert poster auction. And we have just a couple of, just to tell you what we have coming that are really fun and killer, and they'll be way up there in price. The Rolling Stones played Altamont, right. you might recall, and of course somebody got killed. And the right. show was a total disaster. The Hells Angels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. actually printed up a paper poster and took it to this rainy event uh, and sold them for a dollar each and so people bought this thing for a dollar each and a lot of them got mashed going home and people weren't saving things back then the last one sold at auction for forty thousand dollars and we have our first ever coming in april in our concert poster auction <laughs> and we have a beatles shea stadium poster another one and we have you're going to get a i just love this a 19, December 1955 window card concert poster, and it's got Hank Snow as the headliner, and a comedian, and another country musician, and an unknown gospel act, and the fifth build act says, new RCA Victor recording artist, 
Elvis Presley. So that, you know, something like that. It's the only one that exists. And we expect that to go well into five figures, of course, 20000 30000 even $40,000. I thought when you said in the new recording artist, I thought it was going to be Frankie Sardo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd go for about $40. Um, and we also have a skeleton in roses. You were talking about that Grateful Dead poster? Yeah. We hold the world record on that at 137000 That was for a 9.6. Well, guess what? We have a 9.8 coming in April. So that means the next time you're kind enough to have me on your show, I might have a new world record in a couple of different areas for you. Who's doing this? Who's, what's the demographic of, of the people who collect? Um, largely people who can identify with the music, meaning baby boomers, but also a very large swath of middle-aged investors with lots of disposable income. And a lot of these highest-priced posters sell to a buyer who has no other concert posters. They just want one of the best. They'll spend $5 million on a Mickey Mantle baseball card. They'll buy one of the rarest American coins. And they want a killer concert poster, so they don't get interested until something hits $100,000. Fascinating. <laughs> if you want in the conversation, feel free to join us, 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832 for Pete Howard. And this is more than just posters. You collect more than just Concert posters. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I've been a lifelong collector, and I've collected music seriously myself for 52 years. Um, so, yeah, I've got, you know, signed albums and this and that and old stuff and and other, uh, you know, but co- concert ephemera is a really strong field that shows no signs of ebbing. You know, it's just, it's got, and what you do is you bring in new artists like Nirvana. I'm not a Nirvana fan because I don't like grunge that much. Right. Nirvana is so strong. They're, they, anything Kurt Cobain and Nirvana-related sells really well. Does that have to do with his suicide? Uh, there's rock tragedy always right. plays into it, sure. And punk rock from the late 70s, like The Clash and things like that, very strong. I said we're having a hip-hop auction coming in April or, or May, and there's a lot of middle-aged people now who grew up on early hip-hop and want to buy stuff. Let's take some calls. We'll start with Greg and Cayucas. Hey, Greg. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hi, Greg. Hey, okay. A unique question here. Um, this is going way back to the uh, late 80s, or probably 18, 1986. Um, shortly after I moved to San Luis Obispo, I befriended a fellow who was a guard at the men's colony. Mm-hmm. And one of the many inmates there was Ike Turner. Mm-hmm. And my friend Vinny got to know Ike quite well and kind of schmoozed with him when he was on duty. And so when Vinny told me about his friendship with Ike Turner, I said, hey, have Ike write me a letter. And oh. so Vince asked Ike to write a letter to me, and he addressed it to me using kind of a sort of a stage name that I used to play in bands using. And uh, he wrote a, a handwritten single, uh, single space on a, a piece of notebook paper mm-hmm. addre- addressed to me uh, where he went, rambled on and on for a full page in small print, making references to his screw-ups and why he ended up in the big house and also making some direct references to Tina's very successful album that had been released a couple years earlier, Private Dancer. And so I've just been wondering over the years, I've got that letter, and I'm wondering, would that have any collectible value? Did he he sign it? 
Yes, he signed it. You yeah. bet. Good. Okay. Yeah, that does help. Absolutely sure. But yeah, it's definitely collectible, and you're right. It is unique. It's also very personal, um, directed right. to you. But he does talk yeah. about his career, so that's great. But you know, um, I would think a couple thousand on up for something like that. Ike, a rock and roll Hall of Fame member, even though obviously right. his reputation was tarnished, he produced some of the greatest stuff ever, including rock and roll's first single. So, what would Greg do with a letter like that? Where, 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 what would be the next step for him? Um, well, I don't know whether it be a homer or not, but I mean, Heritage would love to take a look at it. So, you know, uh, approach an auction house with it. I, I think that's ideas. why. I think that's why he's calling. Sure, sure. Yeah, images. Well, are, <laughs> see, he want, I can tell right now he wants to keep it, though. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's curiosity more than anything. But sure. I wouldn't mind, you know, connecting with you and just having to take a look at it, see what you think. Yeah, well, I respond really well to images, so um, send a picture of it. Yeah. Perfect. And I'll of course, that. we're obligated. Dave. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll Bye. connect you guys. Thanks. All right, Greg, thank you. Uh, I want to come back to that, but first let's hear from Rick in Templeton. Hey, Rick. Hi there. Hi, Rick. Uh, hi, hi there. Uh, uh, you know the poster you were talking that sold, there's, it's gonna, it sold for 40 after the Hells Angels, you know? Altamont. Concert, yeah, right, Stones, Rolling, yeah. Rolling Stones. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, what's it look like? Do you, can you explain kind of what it looks like? Yeah, it's got the five Rolling Stones standing in the alley, and what they did was they ripped off the image from the Bill Graham poster for the Stones in Oakland in 1969. Um, so the five of them standing there in a dark alley is sort of um, a lot of black and gray and stuff. But I'll, I'll tell you this much. The Altamont poster has been bootlegged and reproduced and pirated and everything else. So nobody who hears this should get excited if they're looking at home at an Altamont Stones poster, Beatles Shea poster, Buddy Holly Winter Dance Party poster. It's got to pass muster as being authentic, which means printed before the show happened. So, yeah. Rick, do you have a poster that well, you're asking about? I, I I know a guy that he's he's got one that he he said that he went to that concert where the Hell's Angels killed somebody, right. yeah, and he's got he says he he bought a, con, a poster that night or the I don't know the next kind of like what you is that what you said they sold him for a dollar that they or? sold him for a dollar the show I would love to talk to this guy because I need I need some witnesses it sounds funny. But I need witnesses that that poster existed at the show. I would love to talk to your friend about it and just hear his story as I write up the new one coming in April. What's the easiest way to get a hold of you? You want to give out an email? Sure. Um, Pete H., because my name's well, Pete well, Howard. I, I don't have how – about, oh. how about a phone number? I don't have a computer. Well, um, I'll, hook you, I'll hook you up, Rick. I know how to get a hold of you. I'll make oh, that okay. happen. Okay, that'd be great. So, yeah. Then I have another question. Sure. Uh, uh, another, <laughs> another guy's got a. Uh, it's a Mothers of Invention poster, and, and it's hu it's real huge. You know, like you know the the movie posters that went in the marquees. Yeah, know, one sheet. It's, yeah, yeah. it's it's big like that. Mm -hmm. But but anyway, it's got uh, it's got pictures of I guess it's the you know the group and they're dressed really really weird. In real weird outfits, you know, and mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. But 
did they bootleg that? Well, I'd have to see the poster image. I will say one thing, not surprised. Frank Zappa was a genius. He's not my taste, but he's very collectible. He sells really well. And it all boils down to whether that's an advertising poster or not. If it's just a headshot poster made to be purchased and put up in your dorm, no big deal. But it's advertising either a concert or a new album coming out, then it's a special deal. All right. uh, I'll cut you up, Rick. Thanks for the call. Craig, you have a question. Yeah, where would I go to get a rare musical instrument valued? What's the musical instrument? A guitar. A Les Paul first year Black Beauty custom. Well, once again, Heritage has a great guitar department. Um, We've sold guitar. We sold 19 Graham Nash guitars. We've sold Neil Sean of Journey, uh, a lot of his guitar collection. We have a big guitar department, and, you know... Can um, I do it through just sending pictures in? Or I don't have to go there? Oh no no! Just pictures and you got the guy right here. Yeah, you got the guy right here. Yeah, well, um, if it was a poster, yeah. But do you well, do you personally do the valuations well, the, on guitars? Oh no, because I don't know a good. Yeah, you know, I mean, Aaron Piscopo is our guitar guy. I Joe's know, brother. You know all the specialists <laughs> um, at Heritage. That are, if you ask me about jewelry, you know, I'd say Judy and stuff like that. But with guitars, we have a really strong department. They don't have to be celebrity played. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Neil Sean's guitars of Journeys or Graham Nash's. But if they're just good guitars, we sell them. And so give me your information, Pete H at HA.com. All right. Thanks. We'll come back for a final segment with Mr. Howard. I'm Dave Congleton. You're listening to Hometown Radio. All right, if you want in the conversation with Pete Howard from Heritage Auctions, we need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830. On the Stolberg line, listeners wondering if you can recommend anybody for a baseball card collector. Oh, well, do you do, does Heritage? Heritage has a tremendous sport. We're the ones who sold, made international news last year, late last year. We're the one who sold the Mickey Mantle rookie baseball card, graded 9.5. You see the posters at 9.8, but yeah. we, 9.5, $12.5 million for a Mantle rookie baseball card. Twelve and a half. I know. Million it, it makes concert posters look like fairy, you know, just nothing. Fairy dust, I was going to say. Um, so, yeah, there's, you know, there you have it. The strong baby boomer collectors are absolutely going to the moon. Across the board, what's the highest price someone's paid for something? <laughs> Heritage auction. Okay. We um, auctioned off. Uh, come on, Pete, get this right. Um, it, it was a medal. It was perhaps a Nobel Peace Prize. I'm not sure, but it was a hundred million dollars. It happened about a year and a half ago, I think. A hundred million. Yeah, dollars. yeah, and it's on our website. Obviously, you brag about something like that. And of course, we didn't take our profit. Um, all the money went to the cause. But that was crazy. Scott's in St. Louis on KVEC. Hi, Scott. Hello, Dave. Hello, Pete. Hello. Hi, Scott. You know, um, I have something interesting. I have a couple music in- instruments that are owned by famous musicians. Um, you can Google this one. I, I own uh, a synthesizer called the Yamaha DX1. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was made from 1981 to 1985, about 140 made. Mm. Um, they retailed for about 13900 uh back in the day. They were very expensive. Um, I, I looked online to find one for about, it took me about six months to find one, looking every day worldwide until mm. I found one. Anyways, I, I got one from Nashville, and the musician has sold it to me. 
uh, told me that it was Herbie Hancock's um, synthesizer. Mm-hmm. And he also told me that the guy that owned it after him was the music composer uh, for the movie 2010 and was used in the movie 2010, uh, David Shire. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, um, you know, I think, I think what it's worth, I paid about $2,400 for it. I saw one on eBay that sold for about 90000 There's no one has, uh, has one for sale for 150 I don't know what the value is. Well, let's hear from um, Pete. Hang on, Scott. Pete, mm-hmm. what do you say? Well, um, there's two aspects to it. There's the rarity and desirability of the instrument itself, and then there's the star name attached to it, Herbie Hancock, we'll say. He's the familiar name. Um, and... Uh, I mean, we've sold keyboards. We sold Linda Ronstadt's piano for her. We sold Elton John's piano for almost a million dollars. Herbie Hancock is a super respected Hall of Fame jazz guy. Um, I don't know enough, however, about keyboards or synthesizers to be able to give you even a ballpark figure. Yeah. I, you know what? Even if someone offered me a couple hundred thousand, I wouldn't, I wouldn't part ways with it. I mean, I've had it for 20 years. It, to me, it's worth much more value to me than anybody else. Mm-hmm. I also have a Roland uh, drum machine that was owned by the Beastie Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked up for $400 like 15 years ago. It's trashed. I keep it. <laughs> you know, they got signatures on it. And, you know, I don't know if it's worth much. but it's, And also I have a drum machine um, that was owned by Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what to do with that either, but mm-hmm. I'm holding on to it. <laughs> well, keep, hang on to any paperwork you have, any provenance. If you buy it from a website, print out the listing. Uh, both Prince and the Beastie Boys are very strong names, though, in music collectibles. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, All I right. appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. Great luck to you. Appreciate it. On the Stolberg line, well, Tony's interesting. He has a Liberace table lamp. Table lamp? I don't know if that means it's a table lamp shaped like Liberace or Liberace used to own the table lamp. I imagine it's Liberace's image is on the shade itself, okay. like a Beatles table lamp. Is that, is that Liberace's not he, not the least bit collectible. He's um. He's not he, the least bit. No, he's a respected. Obviously, he he had his niche and like a Liberace concert poster. We kind of can't give away. You know, um, I'm not. I don't mean to disparage him. No, I'm, just, no. I'm telling you exactly what things are worth, and and you know that has a kitsch value. That if you throw it on eBay, you never know if you find two people who want it. Only takes one. Up, up. Uh, only takes one. If who wants it? It takes two. Well, otherwise, they bid it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Two people fight their way up, and it gets to a fun price. Um, so that's uh, sometimes I send people to eBay as a great way to find out what something's worth. So if all this is uh, being driven by baby boomers, the, the obvious question becomes, Pete, has the bubble burst? Because we're getting older. Yeah, that's right. Well, and when poorer. more like more like is the bubble going to burst, and if so, when? Um, it all depends on the middle generation now. I don't try to remember the Zs, the Xs, and the Ys yeah. and things. Um, but, you know, and the lasting power of the artists. You know, the Beatles, uh, obviously, Elvis Presley, the most iconic names. But, you know, all three of my kids are in their 20s, and they know the whole Beatles songbook. I don't think they'd cross the street for an autographed Beatles album, though. And baby boomers pay thirty or 40000 for a good autographed Beatles album. So when the baby boomers age out, I don't know where these collectibles are going. And as far as people who buy, a lot of people buy just assuming the curve is going to go up forever. And I do say that's a big mistake. You can't assume the value is always going to go up. You can hold your cards too long, and then you're going to sell on the slope downwards. And that's not a pretty picture. But a lot of people don't care what it sells for. They buy it because they love it and they want it. 
I just I'm trying to think of what to do. I, I want to hold on to my Billy Joel stuff just because mm-hmm. it's, it's not an investment. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. different friends have given because they know I'm a fan of Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. They've given me things that he has signed, mm-hmm. and in each case, it's legitimate. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one, I actually have a piece of paper that proves it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I don't. I just like having them. Yeah. After I'm gone. I don't particularly care. But a really good example with Billy Joel is his autograph and stuff, not worth that much. He's been going since the 70s and has probably given a million autographs. But if you had the piano that he wrote Piano Man on and recorded his first album on and a letter of provenance stating so, a Billy Joel piano, especially an early one, would really sell well. How about a lyric sheet? Because, I mean, he mentioned Don McLean. He mm-hmm. sold... The, the lyric sheet that he wrote, American Pie, on for over a million dollars. He sure did. The original lyrics yeah. that he read off in the studio, yeah. So a Billy Joel lyric sheet for the right song, whether it be Uptown Girl, Piano Man, or whatever, that would get good action at the auction block, sure. But a Billy Joel autograph, he's given out too many autographs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Billy, stop autographing. <laughs> stop signing. You're, you're, you're ruining me. You know the Beatles my stopped, retirement. You know the Beatles have stopped signing? At least two of them. R- Ringo's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Of course, Dave. Um, Ringo stopped. Paul has slowed way down. Sometimes they do just their first name. How can you blame them after 60 years, you know? And they do that to protect the brand? Or oh, no, are they no, just, no, no, no. They're, they're just tired. sick of it. They're just sick of it. Really? Yeah. They want to retire from signing autographs. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> as we start to wrap things up with Pete Howard. So what's, what's the holy grail for you? What is it that you'd love to have in terms of a concert poster? Hmm. Well, um... You know, there are several, uh, an Elvis Presley poster from 1954, because the earliest known Elvis is January 8th of 55, and in late 54, he had released two singles on Sun Records, and so to get Elvis on a legitimate poster from 54 would be really a holy grail thing. Another thing is they did make Beatles at the Cavern Club concert posters. None exist, or practically none. Uh, I should say none fully satisfying poster exists like we've seen pictures of. People just didn't save this stuff. Because we had no idea. That's right. Those are a couple of holy grails. I mean, Billie Holiday in the 30s in a Harlem nightclub or something. Uh, Let your imagination go. You You have one here, Billie Holiday, 1949. America's number one song stylist, a Globe concert poster, $40,000. Amazing, amazing price. That's from Sacramento, right up north. And, uh, you know, they discovered five or ten of those. And Sacramento's misspelled on the poster. And yet the thing has gone from 10000 to 15000 to 22000 Now the last one sold for $40,000. But I happen to be a big enough Billy Holiday fan that I'm happy to see that. Pete Howard, always money in the talk show bank. Thanks for coming back. Final <laughs> thoughts, sir. Final thoughts? Um, well, I would say that uh, there's some whispering among people who make a lot of money knowing these things. The uncertainty of the world today, with two wars going on right now, yeah. and the world's other problems, whether it be, you know, just name your problem practically, um, they wonder if it's going to affect these high-end collectibles and if people are going to, with you know, when, when will the market correct or will it ever correct? Stay tuned to find out. To be continued. Thank you, sir. Off we go. News, traffic, weather. Back on the other side, Ingrid Pierce takes us to South America. This is Hometown Radio. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.